Welcome to uh, the latest edition of This Week in Norman. My name is Jesse Crittenden. My name is Emma Keith, and today is June 15th. Let's hop right in because we have a lot to talk about, especially when we're considering what happened last week in Norman. Yeah, and also considering that we're a little bit late on doing this edition of the podcast. Yeah, we were holding off recording last week's podcast until the news became a little more settled, and the news never became more settled, so... No, you know, first we had the pandemic, and now we've got uh, some protests for, for racial justice um, that has impacted everywhere over the country, but especially here locally. Right. We've had local protests and rallies. Jesse will talk about that here in a second. We're also going to talk about how that's impacted the way we're talking about Norman's budget uh, and the, the city spending, especially on its police department. So, Jesse, you want to talk to us about uh, protests and rallies here recently? Yeah, um, obviously this this... This whole thing started across the country and here locally after the death of George Floyd, who died uh, while in police custody in Minneapolis uh, in late May. That has spurred a lot of protests, as we've talked about earlier. But we've seen several protests locally, um, not just in Norman, but in Oklahoma City. There was one in Moore last week. Um, so the, the Norman ones have been several. They've ranged from the, the first one being at Andrews Park um, early in June. And now we've had a couple at the university. Um, we had a vigil last night. Uh, so, I mean, it, it seems pretty clear that Norman residents are just as frustrated with racial inequality and police brutality as other people across the country. And there's really no reason to believe it's going to stop anytime soon. Right. And Norman and Oklahoma City residents have been pointing out, you know, local examples of police brutality, uh, the deaths of black Oklahomans at the hands of police and, you know, asking locally for some changes that are being talked about on a national level. And a cool thing that one of our reporters has written about that we can see in these local protests is that uh, really the the youth of Oklahoma and the nation are behind a lot of these movements. I mean, like Jesse said, we had a, a vigil on Thursday night that was arranged by some local students. Um, a protest on OU's campus last weekend arranged by some Norman High grads and uh, some of the folks at OU's Black Student Association. So lots of high school students, young college students behind a lot of this movement right now. Yeah, even the protest in Moore um, early last week uh, was also organized by a 19-year-old. Her name was uh, Raven Burris. Um, she was a graduate of Westmore High School and actually doesn't live in Moore anymore, but came back because she realized, you know, there hadn't been any protests in Moore, wanted to organize one in her hometown and, you know, have more than 100 people showed up. So it's been really neat to see um, the youth kind of, you know, doing a little bit more than just, you know, than just wanting things to change. They're going out and trying to make change happen. Right, definitely lots of action. And speaking of action, we haven't just seen protests and, you know, rallies and demonstrations, but locally we've seen some very concrete demands of the Norman City Council, the city at large, and especially the Norman PD. So last weekend, Norman Citizens for Racial Justice, a local advocacy group, they released a list of demands for the city, mostly centered around how the city uh, disperses its funding. So they asked that the city uh, defund the Norman Police Department. Right now, uh, from their perspective, I think that looks like Norman just um, taking some of the funding that he usually puts into the police and putting it into other social programs, um, things that would fund community well-being. 
Um, and so that could be mental health initiatives, uh, that could be nonviolent conflict resolution resources. Uh, but taking away some of the enormous amount of funding that Norman puts towards it, its police department and putting it toward nonviolent resources. So this past week, you know, we in looking at the city budget, we found out that in this uh, 2020 fiscal year, Norman allocated 27% of its general fund to the Norman Police Department. That is the biggest chunk of the pie out of the, the general fund. The only thing that comes close to that is city public works, which gets about 22% of that funding. So Norman Citizens for Racial Justice, local advocates have um, been looking at that and saying, you know, there are other things we could be funding with this money that would do more good for the community. That group has also asked uh, for a few other demands, you know, asking that Norman demilita demilitarize its police department, uh, get rid of the use of tear gas and, you know, pepper spray. Another big ask on their part has been that Norman remove its school resource officers from schools. So right now, Norman Public Schools and the City of Norman are in this cost-sharing partnership. Uh, the partnership is supposed to eventually put 13 Norman police officers in Norman's schools. Right now, there's only nine of them, but uh, they're still in the process of making this happen. Um, and Norman Citizens for Racial Justice, like a lot of advocates across the country, uh, is asking that Norman Public Schools and the city reconsider that relationship and remove police officers from schools. Uh, we did hear from Norman Public Schools Superintendent Nick Milliarino on Thursday night. Um, he said that Norman Public Schools, you know, well, they think that, of course, they always have things to learn and ways to improve. They will not be removing their school resource officers from schools right now, uh, despite community requests. They're asking for feedback on the SROs, but right now it looks like they are staying in schools. Uh, but, of course, all of this is going to come back up um, this coming Tuesday. We had a, a city council meeting this past Tuesday, of course. Norman Citizens for Racial Justice and, and other um, local citizens rallied for these demands. They came in front of the city council. Um, they shared their own personal experiences with some of these requests. But ultimately, the city council and the mayor um, bumped the, the budget decision that was supposed to happen on Tuesday night to Tuesday, June 16th. So on June 16th, the council will look at its next fiscal year budget and uh, hopefully approve some items in there. And it sounds like a, a lot of folks are planning on showing up again that night to either you know, rally for some of these demands or show their support for local police and SROs. Gotcha. You know, and I think the one thing for me, you know, I'm I'm definitely not an expert uh, in any kind of issue like this, but regardless of how anyone feels politically, I think it's been nice to see that everything that's happened the last few weeks has, has really uh, created a conversation between people, uncomfortable conversations that maybe we wouldn't normally like to talk about otherwise. Um, kind of like you're saying with the SROs at Norman, 
um, and you know the, the the cries of of defunding the police, the the requests, the protests for defunding the police locally and and across the country, and that's such a big issue that we can't fully dive into. But I think either way, I think regardless of how anyone feels politically, this is a good conversation that we need to have. It's it's good every now and then to take a step back and and think about the things that we do and why we do them, especially when it comes to the city. Right. And uh, unfortunately, this came at the hands of a, of a, of a horrible uh, tragedy and George Floyd's death. Um, but hopefully, regardless of, of what happens, this will lead to productive conversations and, and we make good decisions that are in the best interest of the city. Right. And I know that, you know, council members and protesters alike have said a budget is a, a moral document, right? It reflects what we believe is important in our city. So definitely a lot of those conversations going on about what we prioritize in Norman. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and defund the police can mean such a wide variety of things. Um, but what we've seen in Norman is what, is what we see everywhere else and a lot of other places is that the police budget makes up is typically the highest priority in the budget. So I think it's always good to kind of see, okay, what are we diverting most of our resources to and are we actually seeing benefits from that? And obviously with the police, there's more, there's, you know, you kind of look at, you have to look at it more in, under a microscope because that impacts a lot of people. And unfortunately it, we've seen that a lot of times disproportionately impacts um, minority groups, uh, especially African-Americans. Um, so either way, it'll be kind of interesting to see. It seems like George Floyd's death has really created a conversation more than some other incidents um, we've had in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how Norman really handles this going, going from here. Definitely. So, you know, that was something that happened last week, but lots to look forward to and city discussions and uh, local activist demands moving forward. Right, absolutely. And so uh, one other big thing that happened last or that's that's happening um, is that we are now in as of Norman, we are now in phase three of the Norman of Norman's Healthier at Home initiative. Um, it's actually been slightly amended. So as of June 12th, uh, I'll just touch on a few of the highlights. Um, as of June 12th, um, those who are considered high risk for COVID-19 can resume public interactions. Um, but the city is, is still recommending that people who are considered high risk um, should practice social distancing and limit contact in social situations. Employers can resume unrestricted staffing of their workplaces um, as long as employees continue to uh, practice social distancing, wearing face masks and face coverings, things like that. Restaurant dining areas can now open without reservations as long as employees wear masks. And uh, hospital visitations can resume excuse me, uh, provided that visitors who interact with residents and patients are obviously monitoring their hygiene and social distancing. Um, we'll talk about this later, but visitors, visits to senior living facilities can resume um, with authorization from Governor Sitt, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. And um, bars can actually start opening at full capacity. So anyways, uh, this, you know, this is just a few of the highlights, but I think now we're really starting to see, you know, there's almost no restrictions in place for the most part. We're kind of coming out of the COVID-19 restrictions that have hit Norman and other places across the country for the last few months. But Emma, I know you've been um, taking care of a lot of the COVID-19 related numbers in um, the last few months. I know a lot of residents have asked us to keep them updated on that. What have you seen from the last few days and how does that maybe impact phase three and where the city goes? from here. Right. So just because we're moving out of all these restrictions, I, we've, we've emphasized this a 
lot, but just because restrictions are lifting does not mean the pandemic is gone. Uh, quite the contrary, actually. On Friday, we saw Oklahoma's largest ever single-day increase in new COVID-19 cases. So that day, the state reported 222 new cases. New case numbers usually hover around, you know, 90 to 130, 40. So 222 new cases reported in one day is an enormous jump. Again, we don't know, you know, if that jump is sustainable, if it was just a one-day phenomenon, if it's just because of increased um, access to testing, if it is because of some of our uh, reopening, but definitely something to still keep an eye on. If you've been watching the numbers, you know that last week, Norman reported three additional COVID-19 related deaths. Um, those took place over a, a varied time span, but only one of them was connected to a local nursing home. So two of those three were in other um, facilities or, or other uh, sections of Norman. So definitely something to still keep an eye on into this week and moving forward. Uh, just lots to consider with the availability of testing and, and the state's reopening and people resuming gatherings. Um, so keep an eye on that moving forward and you know, keep in mind where we've been this last week. Speaking of gatherings, um, we finally last week got set specific dates for Norman graduations. So we know that Norman North's graduation is going to be at 8 p.m. on June 26th. And then Norman Highs is the next morning, 9 a.m. on June 27th. Both of those are at Harve Collins Field. Uh, the district has set some guidelines. You know, they're asking people to socially distance, of course, still wear masks. For now, they're only giving each graduate uh, four guest tickets, and they're asking that everyone RSVP. So if you are, are the parent or, or a graduate yourself, uh, be looking for information from your school's principal coming up here about uh, how to RSVP and, and get involved in graduation. Absolutely, and, and just uh, by comparison, uh, Moore also made some changes to its high school graduations. Uh, originally, Moore High, or all of the Moore High Schools we're going to have their graduations at the Cox Convention Center uh, in Oklahoma City, um, but they actually uh, changed not only the venue, they're going to have it at the football stadium on more high school campus, but they're also, like Norman, is limiting um, the guests that uh, graduates can bring. They're limited to six guests each. So uh, I think two big things here. One, they're, cha they're changing it from an inside location to an outside location. Um, obviously, there's some research that shows it's a little bit harder for the virus to spread in, in an outdoor location and an indoor location, and they are limiting guests when originally they had no plans to do so. So um, even though we're getting a little bit later into the summer, it seems like districts are still, school districts, excuse me, are still a little bit mindful of, of the virus and trying to accommodate that. Definitely. Um, so now that we've talked about this past week in Norman, let's talk about what you can look forward to this week. Uh, again, we want to reemphasize the City Council is meeting Tuesday night. Their study session starts at 5 p.m. and then they'll have a meeting after that. Um, so if you, you know, are interested in attending, mark that on your calendar. Tuesday night, um, the City Council's meeting talking about the budget. 
Uh, that is far from the only meeting happening this week. Uh, Norman School Board is meeting uh, Monday evening and OU's Board of Regents is meeting Thursday. Uh, this is the Regents' big June budget meeting, so we don't have an agenda yet, but we know that every June uh, the Regents discuss, you know, funding and, and budgets for OU's three campuses. They already actually have made an announcement along these lines um, earlier in June that we've already talked about. So OU said that um, actually there will be for the third year in a row, no tuition or fee increases on the Norman campus. Um, but hopefully at this budget meeting, we hear more about OU's Tulsa and health science campuses um, and what tuition and fees will look like for this upcoming year there. So again, still waiting on the agenda, but we should be hearing some plenty of news out of Thursday's Regents meeting. Right, absolutely. And then, uh, like we mentioned earlier, Emma, um, I think one uh, big piece of news that is coming from the, the restrictions um, loosening due to COVID-19 is that uh, nursing homes are allowed to start a, a phased reopening plan um, for visitors. And so I know a lot of the conversation has been about uh, COVID-19, especially in nursing homes. Is it, is it spreading there um, more than other areas? And are, since those residents at those nursing homes are at higher risk, um, you know, there's been a lot of concern there. So what does that plan kind of look like um, for allowing visitors to come back into uh, nursing homes? Right, so right now it's still pretty vague. We know that, you know, Monday, June 15th is the start of this phased reopening plan. And that the first phase really focuses on making sure that nursing homes have plenty of plans and resources for infection prevention and control. From there, I think we'll get more specific information on when you can actually visit your loved ones in nursing homes. You know, I know that this is going to look different facility to facility, especially depending on how recently that facility has reported new cases or deaths. You know, in Norman, numbers were staying pretty steady for uh, quite a few days and weeks until last week, uh, another nursing home reported one more death. So um, it'll probably vary based on facility, but we have a loose guideline saying that, you know, there's a three-phase plan, starts this week, is focused on making sure that we can tackle infections. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's actually funny um, because uh, this is, you know, a little bit related to the, the senior um, in nursing home centers, but I actually wrote a story for our Sunday business section um, about a about a new senior living center that's uh, being built in Norman called the Sooner Station. It's going to be built in the University of North Park. The interesting thing about it is it's actually going to be primarily for senior residents who are still able to kind of function mostly on their own, mm -hmm. uh, but it, there will also be some sections for assisted living and uh, for memory care residents. Uh, so I won't go too much into that because it's uh, not prime to or it's not scheduled to open until the fall of next year but one of the things they actually talked about in the design of their building is they're going to keep the uh, the independent uh, residents is what they call them um, they're going to keep them separate from the assisted living and memory care residents because typically uh, the residents in assisted um, living or memory care units are typically more high risk. So they're actually building, they're constructing the building to keep those residents separate 
to try to make sure that, especially if this continues, the COVID-19 pandemic continues, they want to keep um, their more at-risk elderly residents um, as isolated as possible. Um, so anyways, it's, I, I'm wondering even, you know, for, for residents locally that have, um, that have family members or friends in these senior living facilities, I wonder if they'll be comfortable going back in right away, obviously there's still some risk, or these there are probably families that have, it's been a long time since they've yeah. talked to or seen these residents. So I don't think anyone can blame, you know, residents for wanting to go, but I think it'll be interesting to see, if, you know, if we go to these senior living facilities and it's business as usual, or if there's still gonna be some hesitance um, to show up as a visitor. Yeah, and definitely these facilities will have precautions that visitors have to take, you know, um, but I, I definitely have seen a lot of people saying, it's been a really long time since I've seen my mom or my dad in this facility and I would just love to see them face to face again. So I'm sure this will be big for a lot of families. And again, we don't have a ton of details on reopening right now, but if you do have a loved one in a, in a facility, you, you know, hopefully should be hearing from them soon about what reopening and visitation is going to look like. Uh, until then we are, as always, keeping an eye on the COVID-19 pandemic and all of this local uh, city business as well. You can follow us at uh, normantranscript.com for 24-7 coverage of all of this. Uh, Jesse, where can people find you? They can find me um, on Twitter at jcrit31 or on my Facebook. My name is Jesse Crittenden. Uh, my bio says I'm a reporter for the Norman Transcript. Or you guys can email me um, at jcrittenden at normantranscripts.com. Awesome. You guys can find me at Emma underscore C Keith on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at ekeith at normantranscript.com at, at my email. If you have any story ideas or suggestions, we love hearing from you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And as always, uh, please stay safe. And uh, if you guys have any comments, please reach out. Definitely. Until next week, guys. Thanks.